G'day everybody, my name is Elliot Waters and you're listening to the Dysregulated Podcast. As always, thank you for tuning in. So before we get into the meat of the episode, if you're enjoying the show, feel free to like, subscribe, give us a great rating and you can certainly share it around with your mates. And you can follow me on Instagram and you can contact me on there as well at elliot.t.waters. Okay, so today's episode, it was supposed to be the big celebration of me being discharged from Ishmu, hip hip hooray, and things would return back to a new, better normal. But unfortunately, a little spanner has been thrown into the works in true Elliot style for some unknown reason. Just as I'm on the cusp of something great, something great definitely happens, but in the negative sense. So if I'm feeling a bit flat or sounding a bit flat, um, it will be explained as to why shortly. So, But today's episode isn't a happy one. It's, it's not. So yesterday, which was meant to be discharge day, I had one of those sweating sort of meltdown things. I don't know how much I've gone into this on the show before, but every couple of weeks for some reason, um, I seem to have these days and nights where I sleep heaps. And then I wake up drenched with sweat and I can't stop sweating. And then the negative thoughts and emotions come into it. Then all of a sudden we're in, or well, I'm in my version of hell. And let me tell you, yesterday was hellacious. It was probably the worst one I've ever had. It lasted two days. So for two days I was asleep or awake sweating. Well, sweating the whole time, but sleeping awake, sleeping awake, unable to really do anything. Um, these constant sweats and these constant run of negative thought. It was it was terrible. It was really bad. Um, this it's sort of like there's two types of thoughts. I, I hope this makes some sort of sense. I even wrote it down to try and see if I can make sense of it because this I think is an important component that explains how bad these sorts of situations can become. So there's the thoughts within the event itself. So, for example, ooh, I'm sweating heaps, which is disgusting. Um, you know, I'm so cold because I always get really, really cold um, during these episodes. Um, uh, you know, the uh, pins and needles, you know, toes and, and, and fingers and things going numb. That would be because of the elevated breathing. So, basically, what we're looking at is a panic attack, but it's a panic attack in true Elliot style because it always has this extra element to it, and that is what I'm calling the meta-thought. So there's those thoughts going on as the event itself is going on, the the panic attack, which is more surface level about you know the symptoms and what's actually going on and how terrible that is. But then there's this meta-thought that says, how will these attacks stop? Um, the only way is by one's own hands, is what I've written here. So essentially we're talking a bit of bit of suicidal ideation, suicidal thoughts, that's for sure. Because um, as I said, these have been going on, you know, happen every couple of weeks, but have been going on for years, really. And the intensity, if anything's getting worse, this latest one, I think would be the worst that I've, I've ever had. And um, this is right at the end of six weeks stay at Ishmu in the, in the psych ward. And yet, you know, the, these events are happening again. It's like, well, when does it end? How does this end? Because I don't have the answers. And none of the health professionals I talk to seem to have the answers either. There's a few theories, one of which I'll go through, which I think is probably closer to 
to the truth, but at the same time, I'm still confused as to the way it manifests itself. So as I said, lots of sweating, like unbelievable amounts, you know, shaking because I'm cold, but also because of the anxiety that's just running through my veins. Um, Lots of negative talk about how, you know, it's not fair. Why does this keep happening? Um, One thing I do is I seem to scream out for (laughs) ex-girlfriends. I tell you, there's no show that goes deeper than this one, and it's true. Um, I don't scream out for my mother, which is interesting because, you know, you look at the diaries and stuff of, of like trench warfare, which I love reading the, you know, the strength of the will, the spirit to live with the troops. Anyway, one of the big things is when, when it appears that a soldier is going to pass away and they know this fact, um, they will often cry out for their mothers, which makes perfect sense. But for some reason I don't. And I think that is because, um, often my mother's around, um, but I definitely, definitely call out for ex-girlfriends. Um, now, I think there's a few of you ex-girlfriends listening. If you're curious as to as to if you're this person, uh, feel free to message me. <laughs> I t- it's not just one either. I've sort of, it's, it's weird. It's, it's not, you know, I, I don't know what it is. I think it's just the those times with ex-girlfriends where this event wasn't happening and maybe things were quite more optimistic and, you know, things were feeling a bit better. It's the complete opposite of what I'm feeling in that moment. So I guess the the polar opposite of this, you know, catastrophic meltdown is being at ease with an ex-girlfriend. I don't know. Anyway, that's what happens. It's weird. Um, so, yeah, but the real big sort of meta thought as I said, so there's the thoughts about the event itself, you know, geez, I'm sweating, geez, I'm cold, geez, I'm anxious, etc. But then there's that meta thought, and that's the one that scares me, which is how will this ever end? Um, and the conclusion I generally come to is if this is how life is going to be, well, I'm out. That's me done. Um, and then that thought, of course, has with it a lot of anxiety and depression and all that sort of stuff, and it feeds off each other. Um, but, but definitely definitely that thought that this is it, I can't do this anymore, and there's only one way out, and that's through the use of my own hands. Terrible stuff, terrible stuff, and you can imagine these sorts of thoughts and feelings and and the physiological stuff going on, you know, this lasted best part of two days this time, Um, and it was was an absolute nightmare, and even as I'm sitting here now, I'm I'm a bit, you know, just remembering it, it's, um, and remembering the ones that have come before, but yeah, this one was a doozy. Um, so factors that may have led up to the event that might have had some sort of significance. So leading up to it, I had very poor sleep. So I was in Ishmu and then I got some transitional leave. I did an episode about transitional leave. Um, all of a sudden, my routines were upended and everything was not going as I sort of planned for it because I come out of it for this leave. I come out of Ishmu very tired too tired to go to the gym and then I was too tired to, you know, do certain other things I should be doing. Um, I think I missed lunch on on the first day. I think I missed lunch. You know, all of a sudden everything slowly was, well, not slowly, very quickly sort of fell apart and reverted back to the ways of before Ishmu. And that in itself is a negative thought that I was contending with. Um, Then the poor sleep, um, was countered by oversleeping. Now, this oversleeping part is a huge, 
um, sort of continual factor that comes up for these these catastrophic meltdowns. I don't know what it is. I think, I think, I don't really know, but I think the oversleeping part subconsciously or maybe even consciously while I am asleep, I'm thinking, mate, you've got a lot of stuff to do. A lot of things need to be achieved. And while we're asleep, we ain't doing it. So holy geez, we better get moving. Then I wake up having a panic attack because I'm not achieving the things that I feel like I should be achieving um, and then the sweats are on, and then the the disgust and the and just the overall feeling of the of the sweating and the trembling and stuff that then takes over. But I think I, I'm pretty sure that a big part of it is this oversleeping, um, which then contributes to this panic attack that I'm not achieving the things that I need to be achieving, and then it all goes for there. I think um, medications weren't taken as regimentally as they sh- as they were so I sort of combined meds at different times instead of spacing them out through the day because at the moment I'm meant to be having meds at eight o'clock in the morning uh, midday 12 4 p.m and then 6 37 p.m um, and when I'm at work and when when I'm at home even it's very very difficult to sort of stick stick to that um, often at Ismu I forget and the nurses come get me to have my medication that's obviously not a luxury that I I have on the outside. So I need to counteract that little problem, which I think I'm going to through the use of Webster packs. Like I'm on nine medications, I think, and I'm meant to have, have them four times a day. So I, th- I think I probably qualify for Webster pack. But in the in the case of this particular episode, the meds, I did have all the meds I needed, but it was it was chopped and changed around and, and that I don't think contributed to um, any way alleviating the problem. I think that probably added to it. Um, And the other thing, just in general, was this whole change of routine. So I didn't go to the gym, you know, I didn't go running because I was so tired, so I missed out on doing those things, and that makes me feel like garbage. Um, You know, and this is a bigger sort of wider problem, which is these expectations and, and that I put on myself, which maybe are a bit unrealistic at times or or very rigid and not really adaptive to what's actually going on in my world um so even if i don't know the gym was flooded newcastle's flooded all of a sudden can't get to the gym you know i would still have the shits that i can't go and that i'm going to be losing size and all the self-esteem stuff will kick in even though the the there's exceptional circumstances which would stop me from going which has got nothing to do with me and it's not my fault but that doesn't matter that inner critic is still saying you know mate we're missed out on the gym we're losing we're losing everything we've gained you know etc blah 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 and the gym's just one example there's there's quite a few others like some university work that that I wanted to get done which I didn't so I was stressed about that and I don't know. I think what underpins this is what underpins everything, probably, which is anxiety. Anxiety definitely has a huge part to play in tandem with that sort of inner critic. So I'm anxious about things, and the inner critic's like, yeah, man, you're stuffed up, you know, and then really drives in the knife. So, but yeah, it was, um, there's no two ways about it. It was, it was terrible, absolutely terrible. And even as I'm talking about it now, I'm sort of, you know, trying to shake it off but it was um it was a doozy it was a doozy especially at the end of the six weeks at Ishmu because that's when I'm left with the thought you know I'm not going to be able to beat this every couple of weeks this is going to keep happening it's going to absolutely flatten me and that's when that big meta thought comes in that says well if we can't stop it there is one way 
there is one way we can stop it forever. Um, thankfully, you know, that thought, I, well, when I'm in the moment, that thought is very relevant, very much so. It's never been relevant enough that I've actually taken any steps in these moments, these meltdowns, to do anything about that. But part of that is because I feel so disgusting and I'm just dripping with sweat, like just moving is, is oh, it just feels wrong. So often I'll just lay there on my bed as it's just soaking wet just and just stew, 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 physically and mentally. So I've never actually acted on those thoughts. I've acted on thoughts like that before, but not in these meltdowns. But in saying that, I've got a feeling the reason for that is is more because of the barrier of actually having to move and get something and, you know, slosh around and, oh, it's disgusting. I can't explain. I cannot explain how much sweat there is. It's it's unbelievable. Like in some ways I'm like, yeah, what a beast, you know, what a machine pumping out all this sweat. But, the th- <laughs> but, <laughs> but that's, you know, maybe in the case of you know going for a run at the gym doing some boxing or whatever but not like this and waking up just drenched it's disgusting and I'm always so tired even though I've had so much sleep and just the negative thoughts just over and over and over and to the point where I'm screaming out for people from the past because I guess they represent a time when maybe these things weren't happening and and I do feel like you know, it's very isolating, and I'm when these meltdowns happen, I do feel very, yeah, isolated and alone, because you know I'm thinking I don't know anyone else that goes through this sort of stuff. And when you're in the hole that deep, it's just you and your thoughts, and that's it. So I think part of the sort of screaming out um, for help from those cert- certain people is because I'm really looking for an ally that maybe gets it. And if you know, been in a relationship long enough with me, you sort of get it. Um, and maybe someone who in the past that has offered some help. So I don't know, very interesting. But if you're one of those exes and you think it may be you, <laughs> reach out and I'll let you know. <laughs> I'm trying to sort of make light of the situation, but it's really it's really not funny at all. Um, like I'm, I'm, you know, I'm just thinking of the screaming out part. It's not just screaming out for an ex-girlfriend. Like it's literally, God, why have you forsaken me? You know, why do you do this to me? you know, what have I done to deserve this? And then it's like, no, you know, no, 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 stop, no more sweating, stop, stop, you know. And, um, you know, so-and-so, help, someone help me, this is this is too much, this is, this is it, I can't do it anymore, no way, you know, that sort of stuff. Obviously a lot louder and a lot more, that was a pretty, pretty poor effort at replicating what goes on. But at the same time, you get the, you get the picture. Like there's no two ways about it, you know, I, I'm not, embarrassed by this at all um i do also cry during this as well like bawling i'm i'm talking in the shower on all fours if you can believe that just bawling crying out for help and asking the world asking the universe or god or whoever what on earth have i done to deserve this and what on earth can i do to make sure this doesn't happen again give me the sign i'll do anything but i just need to know what to do and unfortunately, as I sit here right now, those questions have not been answered. So I don't know. If anyone's got any ideas, please let me know. Because, you know, it's more than just disappointment I didn't go to the gym or it's more than, oh, whoops, I missed the medication. I better get in that quickly. Like it's it's so much more acute and severe. Something triggers it. 
But unfortunately, with a lot of my way of thinking when it comes to mental health and the sort of challenges and struggles I'm up against, it just goes from zero to 100 so quickly. So it goes from this is uncomfortable to I will never stop feeling this. I may as well end it right now. And that's been a problem through a different, a, a, a lot of different sort of events and lenses of, of my and varieties of my mental health, which is I'll have this thought that's a not a very good one, but then it'll sink straight to the worst thought that there is. And I'll tell you what, that is another thing that happens during these episodes. It's just, it's just a nightmare. Like literally it's a nightmare. And yeah, now unfortunately that happened yesterday, which was my, meant to be my discharge date from Ishmu. And that, that really is playing on my mind. It's playing on my mind now as I'm talking as well. That's, um, that's a real big concern. But hey, it is what it is, and and we press on. I I press on. Um. All right, I might leave it there. So there you go. There's a bit of insight into what these acute catastrophic, sorry, acute catastrophic meltdowns are like. Um. It's it is terrible. It's terrible. It's um. I hope to never have to go through it again. Although I don't have that much optimism. But anyway. There you go. That's that's the latest from me. Hopefully, the next episode will be the celebratory, you know, I'm out, I'm finished, I'm back. Um, that's so, so, oh, yeah, yeah. So yesterday, I, I need to finish the story. So yesterday, I was having this massive meltdown. Mum and Dad come home, and I, I had a clinical review at Ismu anyway, and then I was going to get discharged yesterday. So I go in there, and I'm like walking in, shuffling along, you know, shaking and still sweating and just like, you know, oh. Um, so they laid me down on one of the beds in the nurse's station and um, and pumped me with some lorazepam, my old friend lorazepam. But I'll tell you, lorazepam in this moment is the perfect medication because I've got every other medication in the sun. They don't do anything in these situations. It's got to be big. It's got to be hard. It's got to be a benzodiazepine, and lorazepam has always sort of looked after me in these moments. So I had had some of the lorazepam and had had Nurofen and Panadol because I had a massive, massive headache. Then eventually my breathing slowed down, my blood pressure was high, it come down, um, and and once the panic attack sort of stopped, then oxygenation levels returned to normal, and my vision wasn't so cloudy, and and then I could um, sort of you know, get up and walk around and, and, and try and continue with my day. Um, but the, the, the decision was made because of the state that I come in that I should stay at least another 48 hours. So that's what's happening. So at this point, um, yesterday I was meant to get discharged, but now I'll get discharged tomorrow. So there you go. But uh, go give full credit to the nurse. As soon as they saw me, they're like, oh dear, right, I get him in. And usually for PRN lorazepam, I have one milligram in a second if I need it, and then I can have another two uh, two hours later, another two, four hours later, I think. So anyway, ordinarily they'd give me just one milligram to start off with, but I think they had one look at me and what I was saying, and they're like, no, 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 let's bump it up to the two. And then an hour later I had another two as well, which I'll be honest with you, I was still wasn't very good after that. I was I was not in a complete state of panic like I was when I went in but at the same time I was trying to sit out and talk to people and I just had nothing and I feel a bit like that today like I've got a bit of a hangover um and and I'm just you know I'm just dull I'm slow and I'm a bit you know a bit off the pace and anyway 
yesterday was very traumatic, so that it probably makes sense that I'm feeling the way that I am. Anyway, today there's been no need for any lorazepam or any PRN. It's back to business as usual. I'm going to get this episode out. Then I'm going to do some work at the university for my job there. Going to try and get to the gym at some point today as well. And then we're back. I'm back on solid footing, hopefully. So there you go. Thank you, everybody, for listening. I do appreciate it, as always. I appreciate the support. People have messaged me um, throughout my stay at Ishmu about how things are going, and that really means a lot. It sure does. So thank you for that. Thank you for supporting the show and supporting me. And I'll see you next time here on the Dis Regulated Podcast. <laughs>